Welcome to the Saturday Night Live After Party. For this month's off-week blowout extravaganza podcast, we'll be discussing Season 48's three most recent episodes, hosted by Kiki Palmer, Steve Martin and Martin Short, and Elvis. Or at least the guy that won't stop talking like that. I'm Catherine Coleman, and I am joined this week by the amazing Steve Finn and Pat Riley. You can follow Pat at NotPatRiley. And if you'd like to connect with us, you can find us on Twitter at SNL Podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all of our Season 48 coverage, head over to Patreon.com slash SNL Podcast. It's our patrons who make this show possible, and we are so thankful to everyone who's already come on board. All right, here we go. Hello, hello. Happy holidays. How's everybody doing? Happy holidays. Doing well. Doing well. Happy holidays out to you guys as well. Hope it's uh, not too cold out there. Yeah. So uh, lots to discuss. We had three three episodes we got coming at you. As a reminder to our audience, we got this new format. We're talking about the run of shows as a whole. We're uh, We're evolving the format. We're figuring out what works best. So don't hesitate to let us know your feedback, good or bad, uh, on Twitter, Patreon, Reddit. However, however you want to get in touch with us, uh, we'll take it. Especially um, bad. Especially. <laughs> if it's bad, do direct it straight to my DMs. Um, yeah, I thrive on the drama. Uh, yeah, it'll be a great Christmas present to me if you can yeah. do yeah. that for me. Yeah, hold. Wait until Christmas, then you tell Catherine exactly what you think of her. That's what <laughs> right. she wants. Perfect. Uh, but yeah, so we we got a lot to discuss. I know. Uh, and, and I know we have great things to say, lots of sketches. So let's just jump right in. You ready? I am. Well, uh, all right. Our first episode to discuss is Kiki Palmer. Uh, let's let's talk about Kiki Palmer. How familiar were you with Kiki? What'd you expect from her, uh, Patrick? You want to dive in? Oh, I love Kiki Palmer. This I I genuinely like. I had such high hopes for her uh, because SNL I feel like is the perfect place for her to thrive. And and they did. I really do think they did a fantastic job. The writing this episode was very good. They really wrote for her voice because um, for those who remember Kiki Palmer as True Jackson VP, uh, she has great comic timing and she's so amazing in Nope. She's so good in Nope. So this was like one of those SNL summer holdouts where it's like, oh, they were in a big movie this summer, but we were off. So I guess Christmas time, mm-hmm. it's time to throw them up and let them host. So I was glad that they didn't forget Kiki Palmer. I, d- I didn't really know anything about Kiki Palmer prior to this. I like I knew who she was, um, but I, I haven't seen Nope. I was True Jackson VP was a little bit after my Nickelodeon time. So like I like I said, I knew who she was, but I didn't really have any idea what to expect. Knowing that she was a Nickelodeon kid, I had high hopes because that sounds pretty promising. You know, we have Keenan. Um, so, yeah, I, d- I didn't know what to expect, but I was very. Uh, pleasantly surprised she was high energy she was like excited to be there i thought she brought something really unique to the show which is great um yeah steve what was your awareness awareness level was pretty low i'll be honest but uh i don't even think that was a worry for anybody that week on snl because they must have known she was gonna go over well she's so likable Mm -hmm. so talented and it seemed like everybody loved her there I can I can kind of get a vibe off the cast, you know, if someone's particularly difficult and everybody just seemed to be, enjoy being at work that week. So that's always a good sign. All right. Well, let's talk, let's talk about the two sketches that we've we've picked for this episode. Up first, it's cuffing season. And that means I need a big boy. And uh, I picked this one uh, because I loved it. 
And uh, like, I mean, I, I loved it. I shared it on social media the second that they made it available because I just think like everyone needs to see it. It's so funny, so well observed. And, you know, we love the representation. Uh, mm-hmm. I was I was watching it with my husband, who's who's a bigger guy. And like the joy that I saw on his face when this ended was just unmatched. It made me feel so happy for him. Like, I think like he just felt like seen and appreciated. It was it was incredible like that. That's the power of representation. But, you know, off my soft off my soapbox, uh, a plus production. Uh, mm-hmm. I must say the uh, flying first class because he don't fit in the back is one of the single funniest lines I've maybe ever heard. Like that is so brilliant and so accurate. Um, <laughs> cause like, cause my husband isn't like, he, he's got like a broad rib cage, but he's also like six foot four. So like, he's just too tall to sit and coach. <laughs> like, um, so it, I, like that made me, I think from that moment on, I didn't hear anything else they said cause I was laughing so hard. Um, so yeah, I, I loved this. I thought it was a home run. Patrick, what did you think? I agree. I loved it very much. Um, my Maybe my favorite joke of the night. And again, I really liked this episode. I thought the writing was strong this episode. I thought the performance was strong. My favorite joke of the night is when uh, I think it's SZA is like looking at the poster of Chris Pratt in Guardians of the Galaxy and then she goes, and then she puts Chris Pratt and Park as a wreck yeah. over. That, <laughs> that, was that made me belly laugh. It's, mm-hmm. such a, it's such a great visual joke. It's such a fun mm-hmm. joke. It's one of, it's something that's constantly brought up in, um, Sorry for blocking me with Bernadette, but uh, it's it's constantly brought up in like pop culture and stuff of just how much of the way he lost and all that. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's so and funny. I, I love was... like a just a throwaway visual joke. Like th- there's no yeah. reference to what's happening in the song. It's just something that we see happen and it's great. I, that's and just it's a really so great funny. touch. It really works. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, Steve, anything to add? I mean, didn't you really all say it all already? Like <laughs> it's good representation. Absolutely. Um, I'm sure a lot of us are sick of seeing the ideal body be in the washboard abs and all that. Come on. We, we need some warmth. This is, this is a real message that people need to hear. Uh, just another, you know, comedy rap that just has like a sick melody and actually is fun to listen to. Uh, that seems to be like the case pretty much 99% of the time for any like hip hop or dad's track that gets produced in the mm-hmm. SNL house. I'm, I'm never unsatisfied by it. You know, I'm laughing, but I'm also, you know, I'm dancing. It's making me move. Yeah. It's always a pop. Yeah. My understanding is that this sketch was a, a pitch from Punky, uh, which is interesting. I think this is, uh, I feel like this is maybe the first time we've really had like a true not the first time. There were a few others. This is one of the first times that we've had like a real like Punky Johnson sketch. And pu- Punky's got bars. Uh, I was very impressed with with uh, Punky's verse. So, yeah. I, I will say that now you tell me Punky wrote this, this makes sense. Because I've seen Punky stand up. And also just like uh, she had such a huge middle chunk of this. Mm-hmm. Um that that this all makes sense it yeah. was it was very much in in line of of their brand of humor and i say that in the best possible way it's mm-hmm. a very very funny sketch so uh yeah big win on big boys now let's uh let's keep going on our next sketch is orientation at the hello kitty store teaches you everything you need to know for instance hello kitty is actually a human girl <laughs> steve why'd you pick this one why did i pick it um uh- 
just a couple of things, you know, this, the set design for one thing, it was just gorgeous Amazing. to look at. Mm-hmm. And, uh, that, that sent me down another rabbit hole. Cause this is all based on like real things about Hello Kitty. <laughs> I was about to say, yeah. I forgot to Google. Is the Hello Kitty canon that she's a human girl? Yes. Yeah. It's something that the creator said and is now saying that they were misquoted, but mm-hmm. I don't know what the quote was originally that made people think it. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, but yeah, everything else like the dear Daniel and all that, that's all, mm-hmm. that's all real. They did their research and I, wow. I hope it didn't drive anyone insane. Uh, <laughs> that's really taking well, one. Well, for can I, can I fight you on that? They did the research thing. The first line of the sketch is, Welcome to the New York Hello Kitty store, the first of its kind. Bullshit. In 1997 to 2011, there was a Hello Kitty store in Times Square. Don't come to me with that bullshit that this is the first Hello Kitty store. When there was a Hello Kitty store where the Yankee store is now on time on 42nd Street. And you're going to look me in the eyes and tell me, oh, Hello Kitty's a little girl. Isn't that funny? When you can't even get your facts right. <laughs> and other than that, love the sketch. Thought it was very funny. <laughs> I uh, I enjoyed this one a lot. I I really love sketches where people get outraged at something just inconsequential and stupid. Like I'd sort of lump this in with the Weezer sketch from a few years ago. Like that's a similar category of like, this detail is not important, but you're, you're going to lose your mind over it, you know? Um, yeah. And I also think this was just a really creative scenario to put this in because I imagine the origin of it was some writer read this thing that Hello Kitty is a human girl and they knew they had to do something with it. And the possibilities of, of where to put this sketch are endless. It could have been another dinner table conversation. Like it could have been any number of things. But this is like such a fun setting because it's a mm-hmm. place that allows everyone around them to already be on board and like bought into Hello Kitty. And then they're surprised by this new knowledge. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I thought, I thought that was really, really brilliant. The only thing that kind of let me down was I thought the ending was a little weak because it became being about like New York as opposed to being like about Hello Kitty. Like it wasn't, it was still fun. I wasn't like a terrible ending, but I thought there could have maybe been something a little stronger to it. I, I just love how the escalation was getting to, uh, Bowen and Kiki. So harshly, like tried to, make sense of these facts that contradict each other like how do you tell me what year they were born and then try to tell me they were still they're still in grade four right <laughs> and they and they get more and more angry mm-hmm. as it goes on until they're throwing furniture it's great and it's such a natural heightening move that they're like well then what's her race like that's such a perfect logical leap yeah i love it now uh before we leave the kiki episode we do need to pre- briefly talk about the amazing Keenan and Kelly sketch. Uh, uh, because was everybody as excited about that as I was? Yeah. I think everybody I, was excited about Steve? that. Steve? I, I Steve? Didn't, well, sure. I didn't watch a whole lot. Uh, I didn't watch any Keenan and Kelly or all that. I don't think I was the right age. Wait, Steve, how old are you? I won't put Why it on the episode. Why are you asking? I'll cut it. I'll cut it. I just need to know. I'm Well, be huh? Um... Yeah, maybe just. I will say, I will. Yeah, yeah. I think you just missed it. Catherine and I are the perfect age Mm -hmm. for Keenan and Kel. I was obsessed with Keenan and and Kel. Yeah, yeah. They nailed the tone of Keenan and Kel and everything, and it was just, it was so great to just see like uh, the Rigby set and then have Kel come on. Yeah, and I mean, Keenan's been on the show for what, like nineteen years, and we're just now getting a Mm Keenan and Kel sketch. Like, 
at long yeah. last. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I feel like the Kiki Palmer episode overall was a pretty exciting high energy episode. It sounds like we all had great feelings mm-hmm. about it. Let's move on to Steve Martin and Martin Short, which, you know, as if as if you, we thought Kiki Palmer was great and then this announcement came through. I mean, my God, how exciting is that? Uh, classic duo. I love only murders. And I mean, how long has it been since there were two hosts? Forever. I was oh, going to say. Tina and Amy. Tina and probably? Amy. And that was what? four or five years was, ago. I think that was like pre-2016, to yeah. be honest with you. It's been rare for it's a very a long while. time. Yeah. 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 So that was exciting. And it feels very classic. It's especially feels classic because these are two hosts that I have mm-hmm. hosted together before. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I assume I don't need to ask, were you excited about Steve Martin and Martin Short? That's that's an understood <laughs> who? Of who? course. Yeah. <laughs> uh well let's talk about some sketches. Uh the first one, Scrooge wakes up a changed man, ready to spread his wealth into the eyes of the orphans below. And uh Pat, this is your pick. What'd you like about it? Uh everything. <laughs> I love the sketch. I thought this sketch was so funny. I had a similar idea earlier this like this day. Like like in the day, I texted my comedy partner Kevin. I was like, I was like, hey, I have an idea where you're you're Scrooge, I'm Ghost of Christmas present, and we go to a present thing and someone's choking, but we can't help them. And <laughs> we see them choke because we're not there, and we keep trying to like get people's attention to help this guy who's choking and and you're and i'm gonna still try to be like come on welcome you have to live in the moment scrooge and scrooge is like he's he's turning blue can anyone do anything use your christmas magic and it's like it doesn't work like that that's why you know so like that and then i saw this and i'm like ah this is a better version of my idea of especially when steve martin shows up as the ghost of christmas president and he's just like I, he like throws he an icicle into Marcello's heart, and, and he's like, "They can't see me." Yeah. By the way, <laughs> this is yeah. all on so you. So you look crazy right now. I also love that it's Steve Martin doing that '70s Steve Martin when mm-hmm. he walks in. He's like, "Hey, Scrooge, how are you, man? You doing great?" <laughs> it's like he's not even doing an accent. It's just that '70s like sketch Steve Martin that like ever, anyone who watched uh, who watched this Steve Martin best of SNL uh, VHS a million times like I did. It's like a voice that I was so familiar with when I saw him do like, oh, hey, babe, what's like, this is like wild and crazy guy. Yeah. Steve Martin <laughs> came back for a second. And it was like, oh, that's that's a, a plus. And then Martin Short, it's Martin Short. Um, he, I will say this. Uh, Martin Short's my hero. He's been my comedy icon my entire life. I, I have modeled my onstage performance on Martin Short. It's every he's my everything. Uh, he is best at, and this is this is where I think he really shines. Is when he's done something wrong, and he's trying to get away with. <laughs> it, is the funniest Martin Short. Not when he's going big, not when he's like yelling, but when he's done something bad and just that's like a ooh, and like yeah. tries to walk away. <laughs> when he first blinds the orphan, he has to face it. Just like ah. All right, all right. It's just, it just, it's, it's such good timing. It's like no one does it better. Mm-hmm. When he, with the last beat of the sketch, when he, the glass breaks and he just hears the screams and his face is hearing the screams, it just terror. It's like, <laughs> is so like unmatched comedically. It's yeah. insane how funny. He's already done so much just damage. Unlike- he can't even go back and check. He, he can't even go back, and it's just I, I love Steve Martin's line where he's just like, "Well, screwed. I, I I wanted you to be better and enjoy Christmas, but now my best advice, lawyer up." Like, <laughs> yeah, my favorite Martin uh, Short, I think, is Martin Short delivering a throwaway line. Uh, they're always amazing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. A snide mm-hmm. throwaway is great. 
Martin Short throwing his 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 body around like a rag doll. It's you know it's something I do. Um, not to talk talk more about myself, but it's something that like I've I watched Martin Short is and especially with Steve Martin. One of my favorite Martin Short bits is when he's on stage and he becomes disinterested. He will walk away like like something's over here and he'll follow it. But then something brings him back and he'll go right back into the why hello and it's just such a, and he does it yeah. <laughs> not in this sketch but in. The the Santa elf sketch where it's like mall Santa sketch mm-hmm. was a moment where you could see he just gets distracted by something over here distracts him and then when it pulls him back there's he goes back into just like a like a like a he just got yelled like like a you a student being yelled at it's just so oh, he's <laughs> he's so funny like him and Steve Martin together what a genius like, what, what a, a genius thing to yeah. to do because you could have had Martin Short host you could have had Steve Martin come back to host. But to have them together, I, uh, it's 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 just a match made in heaven. They're two perfect, perfect comedians. I will say this sketch doesn't doesn't have the best CGI. There is a very wonky horse mm-hmm. that <laughs> it's a it's a very weird looking horse, but it it doesn't matter because man, when they just start spraying everyone with blood, and he's raining, he's throwing metal from the sky and like, why are you doing this? Please, you're, you're going to scare the horse. And it kicks off uh, um, uh, uh, what's his face? Um, Mikey Day's head just you goes flying off hole. and then bounces on Tiny Tim he goes back down the hole. He threw that corp cripple boy down the hole. There's like, like, Jesus Christ. There's like that one moment of wonky VFX, but there's a lot of really good VFX. I was going to say, like, oh, yeah. there is, yeah. That coin yeah. soaring through the air looked great. Those shots. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe the horse. And then was the, a little they did wonky. some practical prosthetics for the eyes. Um, they looked yeah. really good. Uh, I was going to say, I, I really do. Speaking of like this, the prosthetics of the eyes, just Sarah Sherman. Um, I was so happy that she was the orphan <laughs> because if there's one cast member currently who I just want to see interact with Martin Short, Sarah Sherman, she's just got the right temperament for him. It's kind of like um, a, a coked up gerbil is the best way to describe. Martin Short's comedy. It's just like kind of like, yeah. what do I do? What do I do? Where am I? Where am I? Here I am. It's like it's it's that. And Sarah Sherman has that kind of the, so like when she came over, it was just like, well, I've got no money, and it's just like it's such a wonderful playing off each other, just so so perfect. I was really surprised that this uh, wasn't a Sarah Sherman sketch, but it was actually written by Mikey and Colin. Right. They had oh, to have that's said the most surprising thing you've ever heard yeah. in your life. <laughs> That is so surprising, especially from Mikey and Colin. I can, I, I listen. I love Mikey. Same. I think he's fantastic. But on this the show. is not like I don't a, see it. It's not like a trademark Mikey sketch, you know. Like it's, it's no, like, not at all. Like I, he, he definitely, he doesn't usually go this gory. Mm-hmm. To be completely honest, like the punchline for this sketch is how gory can mm-hmm. they get and how bloody and like how much, how much of a massacre could this be? And especially for Colin too, because Colin doesn't usually go yeah. for. He doesn't go for absurd, like, crazy situations. Absurd, really, yeah. F- yeah. It's usually it's usually he doesn't. Also, he doesn't go for character yeah. sketches. Mm-hmm. He's not really a character sketch writer. And this is a character. Like it's it's everyone is doing like big broad characters. There's no real straight man here, mm-hmm. you know. And it's 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 so that's why I I I would have said this maybe if, I thought this was either please don't destroy guys or maybe Sarah Sherman with yeah. like a Celeste mm-hmm. camera something like that, you yeah. know. Um, but yeah, that's the, a great sketch. Mm-hmm. Wonderful, um, perfect time for the holidays. Yeah, this this was this was probably the highlight of the episode for me. It was yeah. just the turn it took was so unexpected. It's 
definitely it's a definitely a brand new take on how to parody a Christmas Carol. Like, <laughs> there's no one's seen this version before. And then just when I thought they didn't have anywhere left to go, like Tiny Tim fell in the sewer, and oh my god, I just started like crying, laughing. So they they found great places to go with it and to heighten pat. Like the the first reveal, the first beat yeah. is so crazy, and the, yet they still kept going. Uh, so that was really good. And like I said, there was some really great VFX work, some awesome prosthetics, um, just really well executed overall. I think. Uh, Steve, any final thoughts on this one? Well, this is. I'll tell you something about how this made me feel watching because like we have Stephen marty who kind of span like multiple generations of snl uh mm-hmm. so we're talking about like you know a classic connection connection to more classic sketches and i feel like we got some kind of hybrid of like old school comedy sensibility with a more modern stomach mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. Vis- for viscera and stuff like you know i think back in the 70s and 80s if you tried to be this graphic <laughs> i don't think anybody would be laughing uh but you know like a lot of this is is very classic stuff like you know the irony of just trying to uh fix the situation and every attempt you make makes it worse like it's like you watch like a classic ladder routine but people are getting beheaded and, mm-hmm. and gored <laughs> while it's happening. It it felt like uh, the new meets the old, and it's it's just a perfect way uh, of gelling these two old dudes with a, a younger cast. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, I definitely, I definitely think you have a point there. It definitely feels the bones of this sketch feel like almost like a Marx Brothers kind of like. Like, oh no, you've misunderstood me. Like, this is no, I'm doing a good thing. Stop, no, no, listen, stop, stop yelling, stop screaming, please stop screaming. That's like, it's just very much that, but it just gets really, really gory and goes to a really dark place, which again is crazy to think that this was written by uh, Colin Jost and, yeah. and Mikey Day, who I consider again very, very funny yeah. people, but just, very, also you know. very just gra- kind of <laughs> grounded <laughs> writers. Yeah, very <laughs> grounded. Yeah, yeah. They write great sketches. They're very funny writers, but I could never see them like this is really branching yeah. out for them. And great work. Do it more. <laughs> Do more. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, so we really like a Christmas Carol. Let's move on. Father of the Bride Part Eight. See Steve Martin paying for another wedding for his little girl. His menopausal little girl. Uh, this is a Steve pick. What'd you like about this one? I like being reminded of Father of the Bride. Do I need to say <laughs> anything else? Those movies like were so great. Uh, was it Nancy Myers is makes these mm-hmm. types of movies? You know where we all pretend to like be high middle class and uh, not have to worry about money and you, you know just have crazy adventures. It. it <laughs> sounds like a great escape like it's it's not like so fantastical that it's like lord of the rings is just that far out of reach um but you know what this was fun for a lot of reasons because it had just a few opportunities like we have for instance we don't have diane keaton there but we do have someone in the cast who does a lovely diane keaton impression mm-hmm. uh and uh yeah seeing kieran come back uh that's a reminder I needed. I I did know that at one point. But yeah, I was like, oh yeah, he was in that movie. But I mean, this was nothing special. Like the nostalgia is why I want to talk about it more than anything. Mm-hmm. But it is kind of funny. Like the whole premise. Like if you did make eight movies of this, uh, you can't do that without making 
somebody in the family looked bad. You know? Right. <laughs> Eight weddings. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, you're you're doing well, honey. Uh, so that was that was a fun observation to make. Uh, yeah, I think the nostalgia is the is the biggest thing here because it's it's super fun, and I immediately knew I was like. Oh, this has Heidi Gardner written all over it. Like she 100% oh, yeah. bitch this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we know she loves, yeah. you know, old movies. We, you know, like she's a big, big on nostalgia in general. And, you know, I, I'm sure like they photoshopped her face on the Father of the Bride poster. I'm sure that was just like a dream come true. So like <laughs> definitely like I pegged that immediately. Uh, but yeah, I really like this. I think it's a great, obviously, great use of the hosts. You know, I, I, oh, as yeah. I've said many times, I love it when there's a sp- sketch specifically for the host. Um, and the cameos were all great. But I, I, I did feel like it didn't have all the oomph it could have had. Because like you said, like it's it's the nostalgia that makes it the most fun. It's not necessarily like there's like a lot of really great jokes in here. Um, and I'm not sure if it's just because, like, I don't know, maybe they, because they did it live as opposed to being like a pre-taped movie trailer parody or maybe it's because it was the, for some reason, the last sketch of the night. Um, but yeah, there was something, there was just a little something missing that I feel like it could have made it incredible. Whereas it was just like, oh, this is fun. This is great. Um, See, so yeah, I don't know if, if y'all felt that way. Patrick, where, where'd you land on it? So I didn't love this sketch. Um, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't crazy about it, which, you know, it's just, I'm, I don't have the nostalgia for Father of the Bride. And I, I don't know. This just didn't do it. I, I do agree with you that I think it should have been maybe a filmed sketch instead of a done live because it it doesn't really it didn't really work for me. And it's it's one of those things that I don't like these kind of sketches where it's just like, oh, here's a, a famous or legendary actor, and here's like a reference of a stuff they've done before. And if you're gonna bring back like a legendary character from these guys, they both have SNL characters that they're known for, you know. Have have Steve Martin and what's what Dan Aykroyd doing quietly dying in somewhere in, in Reno? Have Dan Aykroyd come back and they can just you know do wild and crazy guy and have uh, Martin Short be one of the little brothers or something like that or or do you know had uh, Martin Short do Ed Grimley and I would love to have seen Ed Grimley. It's something that they did together is probably why they picked it. Like you could have picked a, a lot of those things, yeah, instead, I but like aside from like uh, with Three Amigos and this new one they're mm-hmm. doing. Why? Why? What's Chevy doing? Chevy can do it, right? <laughs> That's what I'm Chevy. saying. I agree that I, w- I would have loved to see more of their classic characters, but I don't think it's one or the other. I think there's there were some sketches in this episode that could have been cut for one of those, and like this was this was yeah. not the weakest one of the night, you know. Like, so I don't know. I yeah, I I will say that I as much as I love the writing of Kiki Palmer, and when we get to it, I'll say it now. I thought the Austin Butler episode was one of the strongest episodes this season writing wise, like truly like the sketches for the most part, the writing was super, super tight or crazy as hell. And that's the only two I'll take is, is if you're, if it's the writing's not going to be tight, you better get, I better have never seen anything like this before. And that was that for where this episode, I feel like they went with the safe bet the entire time. And I think that's a hundred percent because they were relying way too much on just the charisma between mm-hmm. Steve and Martin. Uh, yeah, I yeah, I felt I was really excited about about them and I think like they did great, but I thought the it was it was kind of a weak episode. It was not the best and I was a little let down at the end of the day. Let's talk about Austin Butler, shall we? I think I, yeah. uh, what what do we think? Uh has has anyone seen Elvis? I asked, knowing Patrick's seen every movie that's ever come out. <laughs> I haven't seen every movie, but I, I haven't seen Avatar right, yet. Right. You know? I'm, I'm seeing. I was, it, I'm seeing like, it I was like, it can't I be really long. Don't want to, but I'm seeing it anyway. 
I really, I really didn't like Elvis. Um, but I think Austin Butler is a crazy person, right? We all agree he's a crazy person. He's still doing he's the still voice. He's still doing the voice. And I keep benching it the whole episode. <laughs> it's why is he still doing the voice? Well, having not seen Elvis, but see, you know, I was familiar with Austin Butler's uh, Elvis impression and the fact that he's in it and that he still speaks in the voice. I was aware of all these things. Uh, but I was excited. I was excited because uh, he seems likable. Like he, uh, he seems like a charismatic guy. So I was like, okay, it'll probably be a good time. And then, you know, I saw a couple of the promos and I was like, okay, he's, he's game. He's ready to play. And that's really, that's all I ever asked for in a host. So I, I was excited about it. Steve, how, how did you feel when you heard about Austin Butler? Well, it was, you know, something that made sense mm-hmm. with uh, Elvis being a big hit. It made a lot of money, right? Yeah. I think it did all right. Yeah. 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 It was, it was, it was a, it was yeah. a pretty big summer hit. I mean, it wasn't a Top yeah. Gun Maverick, yeah. but it made everybody more was than talking about it. So I assume a lot of people yeah. were seeing it. Um, I'm not familiar with him. I haven't seen Elvis, and I don't know what else he's in. Sometimes I like have seen people in movies and not realize I did until he he has a small role in um, Once Ooh. Upon a Time in Hollywood. He plays Tex, who's the dude who work lives on the Manson Ranch. That oh, the uh, first guy that uh, bred. Yeah, Brad, Brad Pitt, Pitt punches off the horse. Be he up, he's up. So that's that's the only thing okay. I've seen him in before yeah, this. That's hardly a and role. Elvis, and I didn't. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know what his personality was like. So I like every time I see him in an interview, he's always still doing like a oh, I really like <laughs> Elvis. So like, I, I like didn't remote. think when I heard when I, when I heard that he was hosting, I genuinely was like, he's going to be one of those boring hosts. And boy, was I fucking <laughs> wrong. I can't think of a host. A first-time host who's as game as Austin Butler was last he, night. He was. It's interesting that you. So you really, really liked the Austin Butler episode. Reddit really, really liked the Austin Butler episode, and I did not like the Austin Butler episode. Yeah, very interesting. And I don't know if really? it's because it's the first episode in years that I haven't watched live, and maybe that was it. But uh, huh. yeah, it was just like, oh, I, I, a lot of the sketches. I was just like. Uh, that was a miss um there are a few things i liked but yeah really oh i i had maybe it was just my headspace when i I watched it and maybe it's also coming off also coming off martin short and steve martin's uh episode that was in my opinion Mm -hmm. just a weaker uh just like a weaker written episode i really thought like the writing in the austin butler episode not only was it strong Mm -hmm. but it was weird like there were some real real weird takes for these sketches um that I just really enjoyed, like the mar- the ones we're not talking about, marzipan oh sketch, crazy and weird. Oh my god! Uh, the the please don't the please like don't destroy one, yeah. sketch, just a weird weird thing. Well, let's talk about the sketches we are going to talk about. Uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah, starting with uh, an interesting one. It's an exciting night at the retirement center. That's right, Jewish Elvis is in the building. So you say interesting. Is it because you did not it's like the sketch? It's because I did not like the sketches. That's insane to me. I think this is a perfect... I think this is one of the funniest sketches I've ever... I, Break it down. I was tell, me, tell me what was great about it. During this whole sketch. It? Well, first off, I don't know if you grew up around a large Jewish I'm community. I'm from Alabama. No, but I'm not. <laughs> I did. No. Okay. So okay. this is very good. This is a very good sketch. Uh, this this is a very and this this might this might affect my opinion. It's just a, it's a very New York mm-hmm. Jew kind of like like thing. It's like very this is kind of like everyone like the culture. I yeah, grew like, up I around. mean, like I, I, so like I get the, so, like I, you know I live in I live on the Upper West Side now. So like I, I get some of the tropes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The fact like there's so many there's so many there's so many beats in this that just made me like cry laughing. 
Um, when I saw Awesome Butler in a dress, my immediate thought was like, oh, they're doing man in the dress sketch. A man in the dress sketch. But that's not what the sketch is at all. Awesome Butler's in the sketch, but it's much, if anything, it's much more anti-Semitic than it is <laughs> man in the dress sketch. But just, it's, it's not anti-Semitic. I'll say that. It's not anti-Semitic. It's very funny. It was written by Jews. Uh, Sarah Sherman is, is very Jewish. Um, but her Jewish Elvis is such a funny idea. It's such a funny idea. And this is, this is one of those things where like, I hear, you know, we're, we're in comedy. We're constantly hearing that, that thing of just like people come up to me and just go like, Oh, you do comedy. <laughs> Can't make jokes no more. Can't make jokes no more. Yes, you can. Look how <laughs> and weird this was. This was so weird and very, very, very Jewish and very, very ethnic, if you would. And Oh my God, is it funny? And no one is offended. It's so Sarah Sherman. Uh, if she could win an Oscar for a, for, for a sketch is Jewish Elvis. I would watch her do Jewish Elvis until we fly into the sun and it just engulfs the earth. I want to watch that all the time. I, okay. I, I'm trying to, let me backtrack a little bit. Let me, God, let me get less excited for this perfect sketch that if Catherine says anything negative about, Ooh. I will attack like a, like, <laughs> like a mama bear. It is, it is just, <laughs> it, no, no, you can have your opinions, Catherine, but you're wrong. It's a great sketch. The 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 <laughs> okay. The the setup, great. Cecily, very very funny in the beginning of the sketch of just like when she says when when uh when uh, Chloe Feynman who uh as the granddaughter goes, wait, what is this? And she goes, let me explain. It's Jewish Elvis, and <laughs> it's just like that. The explanation is it is Elvish but Jewish, and Austin Butler as just. The horniest old lady they've ever seen taking off his panties, throwing up, ruined me, ruined me, Elf, Jewish Elvis, ruined me. Oh my God. It's so, it's so stupid and over the top and silly. And there's no rhyme or reason of why, why I just, I loved it. I loved it so much. Um, uh, Steve, 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 you, do you, do you agree with me? Do I agree with sketch? you. Like, are you, are you with Catherine where you think it's a, like it's like it's the second coming of Christ, which is ironic because <laughs> they're both Jewish. It crossed my mind too, uh, but no, no, uh, I don't know if I yeah. agree with you, like a hundred percent. Like I enjoyed it; it was great. Like I'm not saying this is the second coming of anything. <laughs> yeah, you're not Catherine who's, who's who spit in my face when I said I like. I said I want to pick Jewish Elvis, yeah. and I will read you. Like, I'm response. still trying to figure oh, it out. Really, hold on, hold on. <laughs> Yes, do read the text I sent you this morning. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, okay, first off, I said, uh, I think my second one's going to be White white Elephant. That's after I watched it the first time. And then on my third viewing of Jewish Elvis, I said, no, no, no. I'm so tempted by Jewish Elvis. I think we're going with Jewish Elvis. And then he goes, uh, very surprised <laughs> by this pick. And then ha, ha, ha. She she wrote out ha, ha, ha. It's the, <laughs> the spit in my face. I I, I felt the the, the viper. Oh, the viper stung. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's the tone so steve you said you're you're still figuring it out still figuring it out like what the hell am i watching on the surface maybe yes the the answer is obvious you're watching a jewish Elvis, um which i think is the joke like there's yeah. nothing more to it um it's it's just a jewish Elvis. it really is and like <laughs> if you don't get it there's nothing else we can explain to you to help you get it but yeah like i get i get I get it a little bit. What I don't get are, are, are things like, like <laughs> this is played for laughs. Obviously it's a comedy show. Um, 
but, but like it exists in a world where people want to watch this and like kind of take it seriously in a way and and mm-hmm. and find it uh um uh, <laughs> arousing is the word i want to use okay well steve i feel like you were you were you were getting to my biggest issue with the sketch is that it's it's two unusual things uh and to use one of patrick's favorite phrases against him it's a hat on a hat um <laughs> <laughs> Suck it, got me. Oh, I do love to. I do love to say. I do love to say. Uh, you don't do because that, but I think you're, Jewish you're Elvis me, yeah, alone is. is a funny, unusual thing. The old ladies being really horny for him is a second unusual thing that then made me confused about the logic of the world. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> is Jewish Elvis good or bad? I don't know. Um, <laughs> I will say that there's a couple things that I did really love when Austin Butler took off his panties. Beautiful, amazing. <laughs> and then I think this showed uh Cecily being an absolute pro because there's a line Austin Butler was supposed that Austin Butler was supposed to say and he didn't say it and Cecily sort of looks at him and then she delivers the line and then he laughs, looks at her and delivers the line again. And I was like, Oh, she was gonna save the day right there. What what um, line is it? It's it's er- which, it's which somewhat line? early on. Um I think what oh she says Oh, he's about to sing. And then Austin goes, Oh, he's about to sing. And like, you can, if you watch closely, just before she says it, Austin's like kind of distracted and she kind of glances and then she does the line because the music's starting. Because Austin Butler's having the most fun I've ever seen any host on SNL ever have. And you want to know what's interesting? This apparently was cut from the Miles Teller episode. (laughs) What? Are we not like this had to be done with Austin Butler? Like, I mean, I, I, it's insane that this wasn't Sarah Sherman thinking, what do we do when Austin Butler's here? Elvis, like what? Yeah. 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 Oh, my God. I didn't even think of that. I just thought you meant because Austin Butler gives like a thousand percent in the sketch. But you're right. I mean, that too. It's so crazy that this was not written for the dude who plays Elvis. Exactly. Like, I thought That's that was thought part was of the joke, for, yeah. honestly. Like, wow. Yeah. yeah. It, was wow, like, wow, it was like a wow. middle finger to the people asking for an Elvis sketch because they mm-hmm. definitely weren't asking for that Elvis sketch. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that is crazy. But, uh, yeah, that's interesting. Crazy. Well, uh, I think I think we've talked about Jewish Elvis enough. Uh, I mean, for Patrick, nothing would be enough. But I do think mm-hmm. for most of the world, we've done it enough. So <laughs> let's get into our last sketch of the night. A sad, lonely man realizes what he's been missing by looking through a loving family's window. And they are terrified by this. I picked this because I love this was maybe the one episode from the Austin Butler episode. I was like, that's a great sketch. Uh, I really liked it. Um, <sighs> Catherine just picked, slapped me in the face. I know. I'm Jesus. sorry. Um but I think this is this is such a good trope to turn on its head because I think a lot of us have had this thought when we see this happen in a movie, they're looking in the window and we're like, these people can see you. Like, I think that's a, com- a common enough thought, but to see it play out is just really, really great. Um, and this is this was an Andrew Dismuke sketch. He he was uh, he pitched it. He wrote it. Um, and I just really love his sense of humor. Um, but yeah, the production design executed well, and it heightens amazingly. Like It doesn't just. It's not just them playing alarmed in different ways. It's seeing the dynamics of this family play out in this specific circumstance. And it's just so good and so specific. Um, and I, I just loved it. And then Austin Butler 
inconsistent, but at moments with a killer Jimmy Stewart impression. <laughs> every every few that. lines, it would come through, and I'd go, "Whoa!" <laughs> oh, especially, yeah, especially the opening of this sketch is so he like, especially when he's like, "There's that great shot," and it, honestly, this this is this sketch also so well directed, so yeah, well very, shot. Very, very, very. It looks mm-hmm. perfect. It's so incredibly well directed. And there's that shot of like where it's it's the twofer where like you know Mikey's mm-hmm. in the back and then Austin's there and he's just like I got no family on Christmas. It's just such a perfect Jimmy Stewart where I'm mm-hmm. like this guy's such a good impressionist and like a, I think he's a very good actor too. But he's such a good impressionist. It's insane that like it's 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 he seems a little crazy for continuing to do Elvis. You know, like it's because <laughs> I'm like oh he's really good at Jimmy Stewart. Oh because he's a good impressionist. It's not that. He actually sounds like Elvis all the time. It's it's you know it's it's a little it's a little nuts still, but um but no I I agree it's it's a mm-hmm. it's a spot on wonderful life parody just by the look mm-hmm. of it. Yeah, Steve, what you what do you think of it? Well, it reminded me of me, I guess, because uh, like I, you're a lonely I, man I looking sucked. at people's windows. No, no, when like I watch movies, I am that asshole that ruins it for everyone because i point out all the things that just don't make 100 percent sense in if it were you know it's supposed to be presented as the real world to an extent so like little continuity errors and stuff shouldn't technically be happening but they do and i'm there to pick out everyone and not enjoy the movie um but yeah that is something uh yeah we observe in movies it's like when you stare through a window they're probably going to notice you (laughs) (laughs) and uh but it's more to it than that there's layers to this sketch Mm -hmm. there's there's that as a joke and then there's this whole story of getting to know the family and uh yeah the irony of like he's looking at this family that's not really happy at all Mm -hmm. making that point i will say it's it's a really well-paced sketch yeah um Mm -hmm. Like it literally like once once we get tired of the joke of, oh, this crazy guy staring at the window and he has that moment where he just goes, I just want a happy family. It goes back in and they're going like, you, you had an affair like thing. And now yeah. it's like now it's a different sketch. Or, I mean, like the same sketch, but now it's like a bit. God, that's was so funny. And then the angel shows up and then from their perspective, it looks like he's blowing yeah. over the. And then he and if you'll notice the way they played it, because like when they cut to the family, everybody in the family, anybody other than the family is using an old timey accent. But they sound a little bit normal. They're not putting on that voice and like yeah. just letting the the awkwardness of this drama present itself in a more modern way that we're more relate related to. Because I think that would have muddled the joke if they were trying to do old timey voices mm-hmm. and make like on this top, cringe yeah. moment that you kind of don't want to be around for. I it had to feel real. I so, agree, and I think it's yeah. man. It's just a, the strength of the writing. I think Andrew Dismukes, mm-hmm. who listen, I love him. We know this beautiful yeah. little boy fantastic such a funny uh sketch performer like he's a he's a such a great sketch writer like this is it's paced well the jokes are strong nothing lingers too long where you get bored of this kind of this 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 bit like what like you know though it Mm -hmm. it is man it's this is one of those this is this is up there for me like i can see this going to you know being the best of holiday stuff for snl in like five six years because it's it's such a strong sketch Awesome. Well, that one was a win overall. <laughs> uh, Austin Butler uh, mixed mixed feelings across the across the <laughs> panel here, but we won't talk about it. 
Um, <laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about the run as a whole. Uh, let's talk about the, our featured players. How are the featured players doing over these three episodes, Patrick? What's your assessment? I think they're uh, Devon has Devon Devon's really stepping up for me as like someone who I like when he's in a sketch. When mm-hmm. I see when I see him show up in something, I don't know. Maybe like the first two, maybe the first two weeks of him being a feature player, I was kind of like he, you know, they don't know what they're doing with him now. But now he's kind of settling to that role where I was afraid they were just going to have him do the Chris Red stuff, you know, and that he was just going to be because he's such a different performer. Mm-hmm. But um, I definitely think he's he's I definitely think he's fitting the role. I'm not crazy about the other two dudes. They I feel like they're they're a little interchangeable for me right now, where I. That's constantly mix them up because um they're just <laughs> look you know they have the same kind of build too and they're kind of be giving they're 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 be giving like identical type of parts so no 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 true standout yet of like the new new cast members but so out of those guys yeah and then i feel like molly's they're not being given enough because i i i mm-hmm. don't i because also they because they in the hello kitty sketch flubbed like three lines a lot of lines yeah they flubbed a lot of lines and whenever they okay and again i i really think they're great i think they're really funny i don't think they're like i don't think they're live ready you know yeah and because they're the tape stuff is very funny when they're tape mm-hmm. stuff especially the stuff that that sketch i think two weeks ago or maybe it was the kiki palmer week where they or they uh, they were in a please don't destroy sketch mm-hmm yeah, um, yeah, I think that was Kiki. I was Kiki's, yeah. So, like again, like that they they were very funny in the the pre the, the pre tape stuff, but the live stuff, I've noticed that they they're shaky. They're just shaky on the camera. Yeah, and, like the Hello Kitty one, uh, Molly flubbed a decent bit of lines, and then there was also that choir sketch where I felt like their performance was just a little seen it before. Yeah, mm. yeah and then uh, yeah, I just I, it bums me out. It really bums me mm-hmm. out because I want. I want them to explode, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, this is a tough As, three episodes to talk about those four new people. Cause we didn't see a whole lot of, we didn't see a whole lot of them. Yeah. Very under, no. underutilized. They're very underutilized, especially yeah. like, with the honestly, exception of Michael Longfellow, Michael Longfellow is being utilized. Like he's been there for years. Like they but, put, like slot him into any role that like anybody could be put in. They're like, yeah, Longfellow must do this role. Like he's yeah. clearly really well liked. Um, well, one of these three episodes, he wasn't in bang. at all. Sarah Sherman's dead eclipsed him in screen time. Oh, <laughs> yeah. In that one oh. episode. <laughs> oh, that's right. He's not really in the, the, the Steve Martin run short one. Yeah. He was in a promo for it. So it's a little thing there, but yeah, there's that. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, I don't, I feel like they want Michael Longfellow to be Pete Davidson. And mm-hmm. I don't think because he is. Listen, I'll say he's an attractive guy. He is an attractive dude, and he is funny. But mm-hmm. I see him more as a straight man. Oh yeah, and I think oh, I think yeah. if you give him, did more, I write Jingle Bells? No. <laughs> <laughs> Great line. That was delivery. so funny. Yeah. That was so. That was such a funny delivery. And I yeah, and I agree. That's it's like I feel like they're giving him this weird. They're trying to give put him in like this Pete Davidson kind of box, and I don't think he's fitting for me mm-hmm. and and the other guy uh what's his name um marcello marcello i feel like him because him and marcello i keep confusing i keep confusing them they have the same exact hairstyle and it's just it, <laughs> i keep like literally like i was watching the uh i was watching the in the um the what's the the wonderful life sketch that Catherine you picked from the austin butler episode mm-hmm. 
uh, he's the sun in the table. And I genuinely thought that was Michael Longfellow until I realized like, oh, that's not Michael Longfellow. That's the other guy. And then I did the exact opposite thing in the Steve Martin episode <laughs> where I saw what I thought was Michael Longfellow. And then I realized, oh, that's not Michael Longfellow. That's Marcelo. And I, I just keep forgetting. They, they, I don't know. You even switched them around just then saying that sentence. Did I really? Yeah. <laughs> I, Do you say Marcelo Longfellow? Because, you know, I feel like a, a year ago when we had this conversation, there was like we were losing our minds over Sarah Sherman. We were losing our minds over uh, the Smukes, uh, you know, Punky, all these people who I feel like have such a, you know, a, a, are, are really like now in, in in the lifeblood of current day SNL. But, um, yeah, I don't think we have that. I don't think we have that with this batch, which sucks. And I think we're being forced into a Michael Longfellowship. <laughs> Interesting. I do, I do feel like Michael Longfellow is... The standout, but maybe you're right. We're being just just forced into it by the powers that be. I think um, they're using Marcelo a lot, but I wouldn't say he's particularly memorable or really has his voice come through a whole lot. Um, Steve, are you sort of landing on the same page as me and Pat? Uh, yeah, I am for sure. Um, I think you said something. One of you did about pre tapes is where they're able to show you know why they got hired and Mm -hmm. yeah the jitters are where they might be um not doing themselves as many favors Mm -hmm. so uh, like i would uh, i want to say they'll get better at it some don't you know some struggle the whole time (laughs) i mean the chances of all four of these people sticking around are sort of low yeah yeah it's uh but like i can see molly like I can see Molly getting a sitcom. I can see Molly getting like on a Comedy Central thing or a Netflix show, yeah. and like taking off there. I just, mm-hmm. I just don't think the live show's working for them, and it sucks to say. And you know, I, as another, as a non-binary person, I want the non-binary person to su- succeed. So yeah, um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think you're right, Steve. I think it's the maybe the nerves catching up to them on the live stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's a lot of season left to go, though, to see, you know, what comes of it. So, yeah, we'll I'm going to say give it time to see what happens. I won't say give it time and everything will be all right because, <laughs> yeah, Jesus, when is it ever perfect over there? <laughs> all right. Well, let's talk about our repertory players. Um, there's a lot of them, but I think the obvious lead story here is that we've seen Cecily Strong's last episode. Uh and I'll say uh, we got a, a little bit of feedback on Twitter. Uh, Travis Kemp says, man, I'm going to miss seeing Cecily Strong on SNL. She's so incredibly talented, courageous, and just one of the show's greatest, in my opinion. There's a reason why her last name is Strong. Good one, Trav. So, yeah, uh, Steve, you're our Cecily Obsessly. How are you holding <laughs> up? Yes. I forgot I made that up. It's uh, it's it's uh, sad to see her go. It seems like a last-minute announcement. and. Uh, yeah, I, I guess that's when they just announced. They they must have known it uh, a little longer than we did. Um, I can't imagine yeah. she told her the day of the show. Uh, but yeah, I think it was a great send off. There was certainly a lot of screen time for her, and we got two separate uh, pieces that you know directly uh, gave goodbye, her a chance yeah. to say what she wanted to say as Cecily. She didn't really drop character as uh, Kathy Ann. Like it definitely, the veil thinned a little bit mm-hmm. when she got to the the more reflexive parts of 
you know, going away, saying goodbye and all that. Great, great to see a reference to her, her Chicago friends, um, AD and, uh, and Kate. Um, yeah, it's, <laughs> it's nice. And I hope that is some kind of foreshadowing to them working together as, as, you know, three oh, hilarious amazing? women in something. Cause yeah. The three uh, amigos, female reboot. Well, yeah, please don't okay. do it. Please, God, don't do it. No don't, one don't do, do it. it. If <laughs> they do, do that, let that not be the only thing that they do. If you if you actually adapt that, they should just do Three Amigos again anyway, because I love that movie so yeah. much. And I so it's the Three Amigas. It, you know, it writes itself. Oh, Jesus, uh, God, no. Uh, anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> what am I going to continue to say? Uh, I'm going to miss Cecily. I'm looking forward to Schmigadoon Season 2. Check Can't out Sh- Schmigadoon Season 1 if you haven't. Um, maybe there's a way to see her her one woman show sometime. I don't know if that's, that's available. That's literally what I was uh, about to bring up, Steve. Was I sad that Cecily's leaving? But I hope this opens up the possibility that she'll come to Broadway with that show. I saw it downtown, and I think it's I I think you, I would easily watch it again on Broadway. She's incredible in it. I think she should win a Tony, and I hope this is. I, I, I truly hope this is why she's leaving midseason is so they can open in the spring so it can be eligible for the Tonys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah, I so it's interesting because at the beginning of the season, we were all like, oh, yeah, Cecily didn't leave over the summer. That's that's weird. She probably yeah. should have like it's time to go, blah, blah, blah. And then she came back and we were sort of like, you know, I didn't think I was going to miss Cecily, but you know what? Now that she's back, I did. And it's really good. Nice having her. And now she's gone. <laughs> and now yeah. I'm sad. Like, <laughs> it's been a roller coaster of a season for like my feelings on Cecily. I mean, I've always felt that she was amazing and like incredible. And I've always loved her. But like, it was sort of like, uh, it's time to go. Oh, I'm glad she's here. This will be a fun season. And then in the blink of an eye, she was like, JK, I'm out. Um, <laughs> she showed up for like six episodes. Um, but you know, well, if you do uh, have. If you do feel sad, you can always Cecily Repressly. <laughs> and these the send off. The send offs were so good. Like Kathy Ann's send off was amazing. I started tearing yeah. up on that. And then like the blue Christmas one really got me. Like when she couldn't even get out like Saturday night, I, I was I started crying. And then Colin Jost like sent me over the edge his sad little moment there like oh. wow I'm I am a sucker for like a a emotional send off I know not everybody is a fan of when they do that but I mm-hmm. really really am so I was glad to see that Cecily got her moment just like you know Kate and AD they didn't have as yeah. Kate had as big of a moment I would say AD had a little bit smaller moment um but I was I was glad to see that for Cecily she's been there for you know 11 years so she I think she earned it and and they did it in a clever enough way. So I, I was happy. And, you know, I think Cecily's off to really great things. So that'll be good. Yeah. Patrick, she's off to win. A, she's off to win a Tony. That's the thing is, I just, I think she's such a, it's, it was really, it wasn't until, um, to be completely honest, uh, Spring, Smigadoon that I realized what an amazing onstage performer, like, cause we see her live every week, but the fact like, like she's such an incredible, like performer, performer, uh, I was so lucky enough to see her in last uh, winter in uh, um, the Thoughts of the Universe, the uh, whatever the name. Search of it for is. signs the, of intelligent life in the universe. Search for times. Yeah, it's she's incredible in it, and it's uh, the Lily Tomlin play that from from the eighties that 
it's one of those Broadway things that like it's it's supposed to be a great monologue piece. But she it's it's such a weird character show showcase and it showcases everything she's like every strong thing she's ever done on SNL's care like showcased in this. I think I think this I hope opens a possibility of her to come to Broadway because I would love to see her on stage. I would love to see her on stage again on Broadway. I want her to win a Tony. I want her to become a musical theater actress. Like, like she wants to so bad. I'm about to say, I think know? Cecily wants that as well. Um. <laughs> and I just, because I, man, just, I would love to see like a revival of MAME with Cecily Strong. Okay. I just want that so bad. Uh. <laughs> just me. <laughs> well, now we were given an interesting, an interesting question on Twitter from Monette Morady, uh, who asked, was Cecily gone? Should there be a mid season hire in 2023? Mm, nah. Um, Unless it's I mean, me, absolutely not, Patrick. A thousand, yeah. Uh, same, same, <laughs> same exact thing. I didn't want to say it. I did not want to say it. And there's no, there's no way I would have gotten away with it. But no, it's just like a thing of like, unless you're like, it's right now. I feel like the cast is a little full. Mm-hmm. If anything, we can start cutting people. You know, like I feel like yeah. Cecily left us. I mean, like, like again, there's like, four it's featured just, players. There's four new people, or there's five featured players. There's four brand new people this season. I yeah. and they're still fighting for getting their footing and getting their voices out. So I think I, I feel think like the cast is in the cast is in such a good place. It's in such a mm-hmm. good place right now. Um, who do you, better question? Who do you think is next to leave? Not get fired because I think we all kind of have a similar idea of like who might be on the chopping block. But who do you think will leave next out of the like the the core the core cast right now? Uh, I think Jost and Che. Yeah, yeah. I I I'd say Mike. I think this Day. is their last season. What? Oh, I was gonna go with Mikey Day. Mike, I was gonna Mikey Day's my third. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because everyone else is, I feel like, just in that sweet spot of like mm-hmm. finally like now that like the bit, sort of. But also mid contract. But I also say finally, like for for example, like um, uh, Heidi, who mm-hmm. is who's been amazing for years. Now that like Kate's gone, and now that Cecily's gone. Man, I, yeah, I'm so excited. Those first three to see... episodes were so Heidi heavy. It was great. Yeah, exactly. And I'm so excited to see more of that because I think Heidi Gardner is one of the strongest sketch comedians we we have today. And 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 literally, like she's she's it's she's it's not only she on SNL, she's one of the be- she's one of the best of the best. So I'm so excited mm-hmm. that we're gonna see more of her. Great. So yeah, we're we're all on the same page. They can, they're well, they are more than welcome to hire me. They are not welcome to hire anyone else. Uh, great. <laughs> um. So yeah, that's uh. Let's talk about the writers. We have a uh, new writer that got hired before this run of three episodes, seemingly somewhat suddenly. Um, Asha Ward, who uh, I actually saw Asha did. Uh, Andrew Dismix hosts a bi-monthly stand-up show at the Improv Asylum called Steve Martin Presents. And I saw Asha Ward at that. Uh, it was while my mom was in town. So what was, I guess mid-November. Um, mm-hmm. and she was so funny. She was the best of the night, far and away. Like she was so so funny. She told this one joke about single ply toilet paper, and she's like, "I put that on my pussy, and it melts like a listerine strip." And that was the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Um, and so, um, that was great. And then, like a couple weeks later, I should got hired at SNL, and like seemingly, based on like kind of what I pieced together from what she posted about it, it seemed like they hired her like on Monday. And the show was Saturday, which, you know, isn't crazy for SNL. Like they do stuff like that a lot. But it was just in considering the timing of it, not even being like the midseason break. It was just like, uh, we are, we're starting our December shows. Let's hire Asha Ward. Like it was 
it was, it was mm-hmm. interesting how it kind of played out. Um, but she's really funny. And I'm really excited to see what she brings to the show. She has already written um, a couple things. She did the um, the Mary Louise Fisher holiday shopping that Ego did on Weekend Update, mm-hmm. the holiday shopper. Yeah, that was a fun. That was a fun sketch. Yeah, it was a fun little bit. Yeah, yeah, that was, that was a fun solid. Bit. So I, I see her merit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then we've seen we've seen Sierra O'Sullivan get a few more things on. Jimmy Fowley seems to be making a name for himself. Uh, mm-hmm. And yeah, I think you know we we touched on it a little bit as we went through the episodes. But you know, how, where where do we feel the writing is in this run of three versus the last two? Like I think the first one we were all we all sort of said eh, it was a little rough. The second one, Steve and I both said it's it's getting better. It's on upward trajectory. There's some good stuff here. And then this run of three, I feel like it was a little bit of a mixed bag. But uh, Steve, what about you? Mixed, but overall favorable. Okay. Uh, yeah. Like I often grin and maybe not laugh out loud, but this time I, I got, you know, caught off guard and, and, you know, had some belly laughs because, you know, it's late around here when SNL's on. <laughs> I don't have to watch. I don't have anyone to watch with at that hour. So, yeah. You don't you don't laugh as much when you're alone, but this this uh, I was actually laughing to myself while watching these episodes, so that is a good sign right there. Good. But we That's also cool. have yeah, and we we've got like you know classic hosts. We got mm-hmm. things to look forward to. Like it's like there's a lot of hype to this, and it wasn't just the hype without some payoff. I think we got some payoff too. Um, some sketches might have not as been you know up there with with our favorites but that that's that seems part for the course yeah patrick what do you think no i i agree i think um a, a bit of a mixed bag but definitely more on the positive side i felt the kiki palmer episode was was good not not the strongest but like solid all around uh i was a little let down by the martin short steve martin episode and that was writing based i was a little upset with the, not upset but i was a little you know, I was hoping for more from on the writing end, and uh, but I did again. I don't think there was anything there where I was like, "Oh, that sketch is terrible, poorly, so badly written," that I would have been like, you know, whatever. I thought everything in that sketch, that 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 uh, episode, outside of the Christmas Carol sketch, was middling at best. Uh, but as I've said before, and I'll say it again, the Austin Butler episode blew me away. I thought the sketches were either well-written very like like the wonderful life sketch a very like well-written pace sketch or just batshit crazy and sometimes when it comes to snl i'd rather a batshit crazy sketch than something that was a little boring or whatever so um yeah overall i feel like especially season wise i think we're we're on the upswing and i think it's a good thing yeah cool 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 well let's uh let's talk about our overall ratings and let's let's do them a let's do them a little rapid fire here. Uh I think that's fun when we did that the first week. So mm-hmm. <laughs> uh most memorable moment, Patrick. Uh when Martin Short stood up as the elf and Steve Martin goes, Your legs are back and he starts yelling that little back and forth that seemed very <laughs> improv was fantastic. Amazing. Uh my most memorable moment was when Kel walked in and did the orange soda uh thing. Yeah. Steve? My moment is when Tiny Tim fell down the manhole. <laughs> Great. Yeah. yeah. And if uh, anyone was going to pick that, I had a backup is when Timmy, uh, Tiny Tim fell down the manhole a second time. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. Didn't uh, have to go there, though. Let's go uh, standout sketch, Patrick. 
Oh, stand out sketch. Uh, well, I don't know if I mentioned it. It's called Jewish so Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> How dare I ask? I'm so sorry. Um, I was torn between Keenan and Kelly and the Please Don't Destroy Chelsea sketch, which we did not ever even. Oh, we, we didn't even talk about episode. We talked um, about the uh, Sarah Sarah's dad showing her up. Dad, yeah, <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Keenan and Kelly. <laughs> On that note, uh, just an honorable mention. Uh, Steve, best sketch. I'll give it to Scrooge for production value, um, great comedy beats, uh, great timing. And uh, yeah, everybody involved had a little moment there and, you know, gross out gags were, you know, gross, gross in their own unique ways. And yeah, there was always just something new to be uh, disgusted by. Our next category is best host. Uh, and Steve asked me earlier if he had to pick between Steve Martin and Martin Short. And I'm going to say uh, yes. It, only in the sense that if if you say that them as a duo are the best hosts of this run of three, I do want you to, then that's your answer, but you will be forced to decide which one did better. So be aware of that before you make your choices. <laughs> okay. Patrick, who's the best host? Austin Butler. I thought Austin <laughs> Butler as a first time host blew me away. I went yeah. in with lower than low expectations because I saw his performance in Elvis. I thought it was good, but not amazing. And then anytime I seem to press stuff, he's still kind of like that serious kind of like, Hey, I'm an actor and I'm going for the Oscar. And the fact that he went f- full, ha- cra- like full crazy ha- hog ham. What's that saying? <laughs> full ham, hog ham, full hog, full hog, full hog, full hog, full hog. He went, oh, he there went, it is. He, there it is. But, uh, you, you, uh, yeah, so exactly. So it's like, he just went, for a first time host, just as as big as I've ever seen anyone go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he did great. I'm gonna go with Kiki Palmer. I thought I thought she brought just an insane amount of energy to it. Uh and really enjoyed her episode. Steve? Well, you're having me pick between them. Uh I would have just well, so, Okay, the, so you are saying the best hosts of the three episode were Steve Martin and Martin Short. Yes. Yes. But now yeah. but which make one pick, was better? Yeah. I'm gonna say <laughs> just Martin Short because he had more screen time. You're correct. Uh, yeah, there were entire sketches that Steve sat out. So I feel yeah. like the heavy lifting went to uh, Mr. Short, as as great as both of them were. It would have been a great episode with either of them hosting, but I love the way they roast each other. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I'm yeah. really glad they were both there to have that monologue where they, you know, completely destroyed each other uh, in, a, in a loving fashion. Uh, it was it was awesome, but yeah, you're making there. me pick. So Marty, Marty gets. It. I made, only because you asked. Um, I was like, <laughs> yeah, let's make him pick for fun. Um, that's that's for me. Um, up next, we got uh, best musical guest, Patrick. Um, I'm gonna be. Uh, no, that's not true because I watched Brandy. I did not see SZA's performance, so I will say that I watched Brandy Carlisle. I like Brandy Carlisle again, but. Uh, Lizzo's Christmas song was my favorite song, my favorite performance. I loved it. I'm going to give best musical guest to Brandy Carlisle, uh, because I I like Brandy Carlisle, but I love that she did an older song. Uh, the story is such a good song, and I just think, yeah. it's, especially when you're like a, a I mean, Brandy Carlisle is doing very well for herself, but a somewhat lesser known musical guest compared to Lizzo, um, and to bring you hits. You know, you, you, who says it has to be something brand new? So I, I was I was glad to see that and that was it was an amazing performance. So I'm going to give it to Brandy Carlisle. Steve, what about you? Um, you know, as much as I admire Lizzo's commitment 
to, you know, sleeping on stage so that she <laughs> wouldn't miss her performance. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd say Brandy Carlisle was the best. I'm not, I'm probably most familiar with Lizzo just because you literally can't not be. Um, yeah. But yeah, being introduced to Brandy Carlisle and, and what she does was, was really fun. Uh, I can see myself uh, checking her out more. Yeah, there's actually a great uh, Brandy Carlisle documentary that just came out about their new album. So if you want to, if you, if, if you, if you really like this and you want to see like them perform more of their songs and talk about it, it's really interesting. Uh, all right. Uh, MVP, Patrick. A uh, Sarah Sherman. Mm. I'm going to go Cecily one last yeah. time. Mm. Steve. Yeah, it's going to be Cecily for me too. Just cause. Oh an idiot i can't believe i didn't know cecily what about cecily? <laughs> what are you doing can, can i can i, I change like, my oh, answer no, I don't, cecily. no don't make me ch- change my I, no i i said i said sarah i'll stay with sarah but some of a bitch what an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you have to live with your choice you have i gotta to live with, with myself you have to live with it <laughs> yeah it's cecily we'll miss her uh all right the big one on a scale of must see tv sunday morning peacock catch the highlights on youtube or Saturday Night Dead. Patrick, how would you rate these three episodes? I'm going to say Sunday Morning Peacock. I don't think you need to watch it, but I do feel like the, these sketches, there's not a there's not an unwatchable sketch in the bunch. I'll say that. Everything was at least interesting. Okay. I'm going to give it a catch the highlights on YouTube. I feel like uh, the Kiki episode would maybe make a, make a uh, must-see TV or Sunday Morning Peacock, but the other two... I didn't think we're nearly as strong and just had a few stand up moments. So, yeah, I mean, overall, say highlights on YouTube. Steve? Uh, peacock. Peacock. Ah. Yeah, Peacock. 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 Ah. Peacock. Right. Uh, I'm thinking Peacock because uh, I would call it must see TV if I cared more about like pregnancy announcements. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like I could have invested work. in that storyline. I could have went to work Monday and, uh, I don't know if I would have had too much spoiled for me. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would have watched it by Sunday. Given, given no, a, right. Yeah. Very constraining rating system. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it's middle of the road stuff. I would tune in live, but I can't just give everything <laughs> a five, right? right? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Like, if, we wanna, if we're going to be honest, we're all about CTV because right. we all watch it yeah, exactly. every Saturday night. <laughs> but. <laughs> If you guys be what I did, I watched it. So I guess <laughs> everything's perfect. Uh, all right. So th- this was a good time. Uh, breaking down some 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 great SNL, some okay SNL. Uh, it, it's a good time. We, I think these are three very solid hosts, though. Obviously, you know, two of them are. Um, but I think our, the, our two newcomers were, were really great, high energy. I hope they keep uh, booking people like this in the back half of the season. Um, yes. So, yeah. Uh, Patrick, you got anything you want to plug for us? What you got going on? Sure. Well, I am uh, part of a great uh, production company called Broadway Bods. It is a organization where it's a nonprofit where we um, produce uh, shows for larger people. You know, there's uh, weight discrimination. I mean, like, you know, so I, it's hard to get booked in certain things based on just the fact that I got big old titties and, blah, blah, and, 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 and I shouldn't. But um yeah, so we we we're, we're starting a YouTube channel that you can follow us at Broadway Bods on YouTube. 
And uh, we'll be posting things from our sketch show that Catherine was a part of also as a writer and performer on. We just did 25th annual Putnam County Spelling Bee Drunk on Twitch. So we're going to be posting clips from the musical. And um, and then we just did a holiday show. So we're going to be putting on shorts of us singing at the holiday show. So there's be stuff coming out in the new year and uh, all coming together in our big production in the spring, which I can't legally say yet what it will be. But let's just say it's a Jason and Robert Brown musical about divorce. Which one could that be? Uh, kids who like musicals. But yeah, but we're gonna we're gonna do that stuff. So so if you're in New York or even you just want to watch on YouTube, check it out. Cool. Um, I've got a, a sketch I just filmed. I just finished filming it today. Um, it's a it's a parody of the NYC.gov nu- what to do in a nuclear emergency PSA. <laughs> um, and it, it's going to be a good time. I'll get it edited at some point. It'll be out either dis- late December, early January on all my socials. So hit, follow me at Catherine is funny. Catherine is funny dot com. Uh, that's the main thing I've got going on coming up. Steve, you got anything going on? What you doing for the holidays? Holidays. Uh, the whole family's together. Uh, everybody's coming in from all over and, uh, yeah, it'll be nice. Um, I hope there's no yeah. perverts looking in your window. Oh my God. Thank you for with letting me look. I have to, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you for making me look. Now I have to go deal with this man in angel wings, <laughs> breathing fog onto my uh, uh, glass. Man, it's really funny when Bucky Day pushes him down and runs out the room. That's a, that's a, that made me chuckle. <laughs> great way to end it. Yeah. Great way to end it. Right. And speaking of great ways to end it, that's a great way to end it. Uh, great way happy to end this. holidays, everybody. And that is a wrap. <laughs> thanks to Steve Finn and Pat Riley. And thanks as well to our most generous patrons, Justin Gardner, Grace Kogan, and Brian Clark. If you're enjoying our show, please subscribe on YouTube or wherever better podcasts can be found. Your subscription helps us grow, and your support is greatly appreciated. We'll be back in January to discuss SNL's next run of shows. But until then, this has been episode number 167 of the Saturday Night Live After Party Podcast. I'm Catherine Coleman. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) 